Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm an intuitive psychotherapist, and I would love to hear from you as my listener. Please reach out to me through my website, which is NOLA Therapy. It's spelled N-O-L-A therapy.com. I would love to hear if you're interested in being a guest on this podcast, or if you know of someone that you would like for me to interview and how I can reach out to them. I would like to work with you as your intuitive practitioner to help you navigate whatever challenges you may be experiencing to co-create some new outcomes and solutions. I want to thank you for subscribing to my show for the last two and a half years, reaching over half a million downloads. I am grateful and did not expect to have so many amazing people listening to these dialogues that I have with leaders in the mind, body, and spirit world. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Please keep subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio. Rating this show, a five-star rating, goes a really long way for me and sharing this show with people that you care about. One of my sponsors is Audible, and I would love, if you do like audiobooks as I do, to receive a free audiobook download from them, because you are my listener, to check that opportunity out, simply go to audibletrial.com forward slash allthingstherapy. And if you're moved to support my work financially, I have a campaign with Patreon.com. It's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash all things therapy. You can support me as a podcaster and author. Additionally, you can support other podcasters, authors, musicians with as little as a dollar a month uh, contributing to our work, helping us do what we love. And lastly, I would love to capture your email so when I do release my book in 2019, which the content has to do with healing our core wounds through empathy and self-forgiveness, please register your email at nolatherapy.com. There is a link. I'm really delighted to bring my guest on in just a couple of moments. We were just having a powerful conversation about the activation of the pain body, which I'd love to come back to at at some point during our time together. I have today as my guest, Vivian Nantel. Her website is viviannantel.com. If you want to follow along, spelled V-I-V-I-A-N-N-E. N-A-N-T-E-L dot com. She is a mystic, a humanitarian. She's an inspirational speaker, an artist of beautiful spiritual paintings, a yogini. She's a cancer survivor, a poet, and author of the spiritual memoir that we will be talking about today titled Becoming the Light, Realize Your True Enlightened Nature. It took her 10 years to bring this book to life as her and I were just conversing because she had to live this book. She had to live these experiences to be able to write about them and then share it with us. And Vivian also goes by a spiritual name, Deve. And just welcome, Vivian. Thank you for being with us today. Oh, it's such a pleasure, Lisa. I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me on the, on the show. And by the way, it's Devi. Divi. Thank you. Divi. Divi is a spiritual name. It's a word in Sanskrit. Thank you for that pronunciation assistance. (laughs) (laughs) It's easy to to miss uh, um, pronounce that. Yeah, it is. I've started to chant, and and the pronunciations do trip me up on occasion. So I love knowing what the proper pronunciations are for Sanskrit words. So I'm curious where you would like to start us today about your spiritual memoir, about the work that you do, bringing spirituality 
to life and in the way you live your life and a way that you help others through your YouTube video to apply spiritual principle to everyday living and experiences. There is so much in Becoming Delight, and that's why it's 450 pages. It's very profound, and it's written as a novel. And, yeah, even though it's my personal life and it's very intimate, it's so universal, Lisa, because it explores all the different human nuances that all what we go through in life, you know, the major health crisis uh, that I've gone through. Even though I have to say this life for my being has been very exceptional uh, or unusual. I don't know what would be the right adjective, but not the kind of life also most people would have because I always was a seeker when I was a little girl and Mm -hmm. I would sit down and ask those existential questions, why am I here, where am I going? And there was, my childhood was filled with so much dysfunction and abuse and talk about deep wounds and that is universal. You see that today. It's so rampant into the world uh, in different culture, the, the huge dysfunction and the violence. And and if you look back at history, because I, it, it, working on this book allowed me even to go deeper and and to break so many boundaries and limitations that I put myself in a little cage. And I came to realize also a lot of it is on unconscious level. I mean, on our on the physical realm, we have been pretty much dominated by a patriarchal society mm. for so hundreds of maybe thousands of years, and what's lacking on our planet is divine feminine love energy. And when I say that, it's not in terms of femininity of gender, and that I talk about that in depth, that we all have the masculine and the feminine energy, and how to tap into uh, Shakti, and how to go through the spiritual awakening and the ascension. And that's pretty much on the second part of my book because it's it's really deep and profound. And like I said, I I just you read the book, it's very captivating from what I've heard from people who have been reading and and receiving common and they can relate on a such a deep level. And even interestingly, which I love and because it's about helping people who are suffering, but not just that, to also give a lot of insight to people, even if you find some kind of uh, fleeting happiness in your life, but something is missing, you have a longing inside, or even if you already are on the spiritual path. My, My journey on this planet has been from on truth to truth, from darkness mm. to light, mm-hmm. and ignorance to enlightenment. And that's what the book is about. And it can be a spiritual process for anyone who start reading this book. One comment I got from uh, one of my readers, um, because they want to reach out, to me often because they're, it has such a huge impact on their life. And she said, I, I, I'm relieving, I'm going back into my own life and, mm. and looking at my life and coming to so many big realizations. It's very empowering. You know, one of the themes that I noticed early on in your book and, and to just really commend how transparent you are in, in telling your story of your upbringing and some of the traumas that that you experienced, that the theme of transformation and transforming particularly trauma into meaning and how that really propelled you, I think, to, to dig deep into yourself and who you are, as you said moments ago, where where do I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? And is there more? And just wanting more. So I wondered if you can talk to us some about how old you were and, and what that was like to start transforming the trauma you experienced and how did you navigate that? Well, I asked those questions when I was probably six years old and my parents always thought there was something 
not right with my being. You know, I was like uh, so very different from any other children. Uh, there was so much trauma. My mother attempted to commit suicide. Yes. My father, the way he left, she almost died. She was hospitalized um, in recovery for three months, and I was only, what, 11 years old yes. when my father left. And the way he left, it was so tragic. It was such drama, and he almost uh, ran over my mother and two yes. sister in front of the car. And so there was a lot of deep, deep wound. And and so as I grew up, and, you know, also feeling that I was not worth it and no no feeling of love and um, no sense of belongingness because that's what, as a child, we all need that unconditional love, that feeling that um, that we wanted and that we belong. And so I was really suffering deeply. And then when I... It's a long story, but I'll go straight to the point. You know, some of it, I'll share some of it. Uh, it's preferable you read in the book because... Like my cancer journey, when I was diagnosed with advanced cancer, we'll go that a little bit, but I'll go to the major depression I suffer. Who would have thought I would have suffered such severe depression? I've been like myself. I was so bubbly and vivacious. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was like naturally awaken, you know, I was blissful, and and I didn't want to hate my father, and wow. so I was really resisting hating him, and um, you, you'll you see in the story how it all evolved, and because I felt like it was poison, and I never really hated him, but I had definitely some repressed anger, and... So when I move here in America, I'm going straight to um, answering your question. Uh, when yeah, I was leaving, take your time. Ticket, I madly fell in love with this man who had two children, and and they were teenager, and so much came up then to this relationship, and there was a tendency of codependency there, but. Not that it was completely unhealthy, but this being I was in love with, he definitely was using power over. It was very subtle, but I, you know, now I know because of of where I am today. Yes. But, you know, power over... When it comes from a male or even from a female, you could definitely see that it's 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 a power of conquering of dominating of manipulating of controlling to get what you really want, which is not love that's not divine love and it's just forget the divine love that's another thing it's not it's not genuine love love you see what I'm saying yeah. When we talk about inner power, is it comes from our ultimate divine nature, that sense of oneness of who we really are, and we always embrace the other one as oneself. So we always want the best, the highest. It's really unconditional, and so... It was painful, very painful relationship, and that we keep breaking up, making up, breaking up, and there was definitely love there, for sure. We were also very challenged with the circumstances of life, which I'm not going to go into the whole story. It's in the book. Yes. However, what what prompted that? It was a blessing, but it took. It took, what, probably over 15 years to realize that, you know, that it was yes. in a way, but it was the most excruciating uh, experience I went through, and but it released me tremendously, a yes. lot of a deep wound from the past, because the way he was parenting his children and the rejection I was getting from the children, and it started to awaken my my heart chakra, and then yes. I was, it was actually completely open because I was so, so deeply in love with uh, Ian. Ian, yeah, and, that's who I have, yes. 
Yeah, and I, I wanted to belong. I wanted to marry him. I wanted to have a life with him. So I started falling into a very deep relationship because it was very uncertain. In one moment, he was deeply in love. He wanted to be with me another moment. But what a cure in, 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 in the unfoldment of their relationship. He... Oh, it's so long of a story. I, I don't want to tell the whole story. He did sure. some, some, he did some, let's put it, some, some pretty, uh, devastating things. And, yes. and I was already in a deep depression. And so, and I was going deeper and deeper in the darkness of the soul. But a lot of it also was had to do with my own inner wounds that I was, experiencing it brought up a volcano of intense emotional um energy from my childhood and my my youth when my father was there and he was physically extremely abusive and verbally and emotionally and it came so strong i just couldn't handle the the intense uh Depression, and I went deeper and deeper in feeling hopeless and helpless, and tried to come out of a depression like that. And I was denying it for a year, even though I was seeing a therapist at the time, and I was telling her I was having societal um, thought. And who would have thought, like I said, that I would be at that point? I went so deep, and I just wanted to go home. I, I just wanted yes. to go home, and. I, I felt like I, I, I was unable to function, and I attempted to commit suicide, and um, I took such a huge overdose, and what a cure there. I was in the bathtub, I will never forget, and I was talking to the Divine Mother. For me, God, whatever we call it, the source, the creator, we call it by so many thousands of names, you know, Brahma or Allah or, you know, and I was telling, I just want to go back home and I took a huge overdose of Valium and I, I don't drink alcohol, so could you imagine, I'm very petite too, so I drank like there was a bottle of scotch and I took maybe a quarter of the bottle and then in that moment I felt such a huge, um, it's hard to describe this yeah. divine presence hovering around mm. and that warm and that that love. And I got up and I went lay down in bed and I was uh, naked, of course, because I was coming out of the bathtub. And I took the rest and and drank the rest of the bottle. And all I remember was five days later, they found me in a in a coma, yes. and I was expatiating to death. They found me actually. Um, uh, my neighbor, who was a girlfriend, found me in, and I was blue. She was terrified, yeah. and um, I was reanimated. And they brought me to a rehabilitation center. And when I saw the psychiatrist there, he evaluated me and he said, you don't have any psychiatric disorder or nothing. And I had, in that moment, a really powerful existential moment. And when he he was telling me, according to your record, he said, you, Vivian, he said, you're a miracle. He said, you were exaggerating blue. He said, we have... It's rare that we see someone coming back, and when they come back, they they are they are either brain dead or they have some major yes. handicap. They have done some serious damage to their body or their system, and and that that Zen moment I had there was really powerful. I can't describe. The experience, there was a, a broadness of consciousness there. And throughout the three weeks I was there, on towards the end, it was on Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day, I, I, you have to understand, I was so deeply heartbroken. Yeah. I was mourning the loss of my father, which I had never done. I had repressed all of these wounds for for so many decades. And, and losing um, the way that 
the relationship ended in losing my best friend, all my hope for a family with Ian, and I was still madly in love with him. I didn't know how I was going to move on. To mourn the two losses all at once was so, so huge, and but it, it was a huge spiritual awakening. And that afternoon, when I was laying on my bed, I was waiting for friends, my very dear friends, to come and visit uh, Milo, was coming and um say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. And I was laying there, and I will never forget, there was beautiful shaft of light coming through. It was in the winter. It was obviously in, in February, and it was really cold outside. And I felt again this, out of a sudden, I felt this divine presence very strong. And how do you put that in words? No one. You can't right. put that it's in words. It's an experience. You to, well, you have to experience that. And in that moment, I knew it was that same presence I felt when I attempted to commit suicide when I was in the bathtub. And I felt reanimated. I, it's hard to describe again because if you know what is severe depression, when you are severely depressed like that, it's the two main characteristic is hopelessness and helplessness, mm-hmm. and it really it's very debilitating because it's very physical too. And I I was so drained, and I was walking around like a zombie, like in a daze, and I just couldn't function. And I, I had no ego; I had lost all sense of self and sense of identity. Everything was shattered in that yes. moment. And that was, there was a breakthrough there. There was a gateway to to be able to experience what I experienced there laying there. And then it was like God, whatever maybe was my Shakti, you know, in terms of energy, primordial energy. I can't say exactly it was not per se an uh, entity, you know, not like what you would think of the world of spirit uh, as a ghost. Or that was not that. It was a divine presence, and it was yes. very strong, very powerful. And it just came, and it just I felt like whew, that energy came through my being, and I found it was like like a dead flower who is witter with. You know, like wilted. completely dead, yes. wilted. That's right, uh, wilted. And it's like that life force energy came back, and I was like reanimated. And for the first time in in over probably a year and a half, I felt uh, there was hope, and I felt like this sense that I. I had that sense Yana had stolen my soul, my spirit. I, like I said, I couldn't function, and I was completely back to life. Of course, it took a lot of self-effort, but I mean, at least the sense of hope, hope to be hopeful and to be um, able to help myself came back. And that was a very empowering moment. You and had after it- that... Can, can I jump in to say something oh, yes, that struck please, me no. as I read your book? And for listeners that I think it, it could be important to hear that in the beginning portion of your book, I, I really had the profound sense of of the depression, the trauma, that the abuse that resulted in the depression and anxiety and the push and pull of the relationship with Ian of wanting to be loved, which is a natural human need and desire that all of us have in varying degrees and then you coming to a place of, of hopelessness and it was a full surrender experience for you to go into the depth 
about of the sadness and the losses that you had experienced and kind of rolled through and moved through just to keep getting to the next moment in your life until you couldn't anymore. And that surrender into um, a, a death, I think, of your old self and, and being really reborn and able to connect with our source, which is the experience, experience of enlightenment um, for us to connect. I love how you speak of the divine mother because so often I call upon heavenly father and like a male notion of spirit. And I, it's been really beautiful to call in the divine mother because so many of us as women, I think um, might not have had that nurturing, loving mother for various reasons. And I find it comforting and, and just the total surrender and then re-emerging of, of yourself in the second half of the book. Yeah, what you're saying, it's exactly what happened. I mean, I, I sometimes I use the word surrender, but um, I think I didn't mention that in my book, Surrender, unfortunately, on the Western Hemisphere, the word is misunderstood as submission. It's mm. not submission. When you're in a state of surrender, something very, very metaphysical happened there. And I really didn't have any ego in that to commit suicide like the way I did. Excuse me. For a higher purpose was to want to go home and to be, to merge with the source with a, I call it a sense of abandonment. There was just a sense of abandonment. And I think what I experienced with this severe uh, depression, I lost all sense of identity completely. And the first self really was, Talk about breaking free from huge, powerful boundaries that were actually conditioned in some ways to my being. And you see that over and over around the planet, you know, because when you're a child um, and you're a, a young adolescent, a lot of the conditioning and brainwashing and all the pain that you go through in a dysfunctional family, it's very hard to escape. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Not that yes. you made yourself a victim, but I remember at eight years old, my brother and I, Coco, tried to escape. We disappeared for 24 yeah. hours because I did not want to be in that house anymore. Right. I kept saying, God made a mistake to put me in that home. And I knew this was not normal, and I was only eight years old. And uh, But you see this over and over and over. That's why society, that's why we have also so much violence, because all that repressed wounds mm-hmm. of pain, deep, deep pain, is so, it's the only way you can survive when you grow up in families like that. And most people don't realize those wounds, they are exactly uh, what create a lot of the mindset in people, and a lot of the boundaries that are also unconditioned, uh, conditioned and brainwashed in a way where people are not even aware or mindful that they are indirectly, they become victim to a lot of things because people press their button all the time. Limited success, uh, feeding happiness, not a sense of... uh, of equanimity and balance and I mean I was carrying this deep deep sadness for so long um, and I I escaped you know when I was a young adult my best way was to escape Canada I did not want to be reminded of, of anything and and but it didn't mean we can escape as much as we want, but, you know, when it's inside deep, in the yogic tradition, there is something we call, it's in Sanskrit, it's called samskara. Samskara are impression, and they are really deeply insured into the, the physics and the physical aspect, our self, our cell, excuse me, the self, and everything that takes place in our life, either physically, even wounds, injury, it's all deep inside, and even on the in the subtle body. So we are being governed by all that memory inside of us. So that's why I always tell people, embark on the spiritual path, and that's and- what I... 
and maybe may i jump in for a second before because one my my next note is that uh, another theme in your book that i really loved was where you talk about us being complete within oneself and and living a spiritual life as as i conceptualize it and and as you spoke about it as well is being able to be responsive versus being reactive and and also in your youtube videos i know i'm talking about three things that to me fit together about how we can live in this world knowing we're not of this world and how to balance how we can find a home in in earth and our physical bodies knowing that we're spiritual beings and um and that it was in your surrender and then reawakening and in in your adoption of spiritual practices and doing the work of aligning with a higher energy and pure which i consider to be unconditional love that you've been able to truly transform the the shame and the anger and abandonment into being of service and wanting to help others do that. What would you I, think? Go ahead. That, yeah, yeah, that's just wanted to kind of make what, what was the last thing to say? How would you... Just kind of what do you think about all, all oh, of that? Oh, no, no, absolutely. And what I want to bring up is all the things we talk about is... Generally speaking, when you really start practicing mindfulness and you have a, a shift, a paradigm shift of consciousness, there is a, a new awareness. There is a beginning of awakening, and Kundalini is, you know, awaken, which I talk about in depth. Yes. In, in the yogic tradition and the spiritual knowledge, and also I bring a lot of the wisdom and and what I learn. Um, it's most people live a life of compulsiveness. Compulsiveness. They're they're like rats, you know. Unconditionally, uh, excuse me, condition. Uh, you know, when you look at it, but it's I, when I'm trying. Sorry, I'm rambling. What I'm trying to time. say is. Yeah. It's unconscious that people are compulsive. That compulsiveness comes from conditioning from their their younger years and and also from society. It's not we don't mean just I don't specifically refer only to family of origin. I also is the media, society, teacher, authority, you know, and, and government, all of that has a huge impact on how people grow and how they go about their life. They really get stuck in the physical realm, and most people are really are deeply sleeping and dormant about their true magnificent divine nature within themselves that is waiting to be awakened. And to start to realize or at least feel the longing. And for most people, the longing starts from, I'm looking for well-being, I'm looking for happiness, I'm looking for love. Those are fundamental human needs. Um, but deep down, deeper than that, what human beings we're looking for is to merge with the mm-hmm. source, with mm-hmm. the creator, to be one for expansion. We're looking for expansion. And and that's where we really talk about our true divine nature, who we are. And it's the only way we can live a life that is so fulfilled that you can really tap into the depth of your full human potential of, and how you could have the most extraordinary life, the life that you're dreaming of, of having healthy relationship, not only with your spouse, but with with friends, with your sibling, and to be an active, loving, compassionate um, member in society who you could bring a really uh, phenomenal difference and a contribution and to live in harmony. And most importantly, beside that, because that's, that's very important, but to experience your true divine nature, your ultimate nature, and what we call in the yoga tradition, uh, Satchit Ananda, 
And when you taste one drop of that nectar, you get so intoxicated with divine love. And I do talk in Becoming the Light, what is divine love? And Satchitananda comes also from Sanskrit. And yes. it means Sat, truth. We're talking about the absolute truth versus relative truth. Because what we experience here on a daily basis on the mundane level, it's relative truth. But absolute, what is non-changing and chit um, it means omnipresent, omnipotent. So in term of realization is that you don't have boundaries anymore. You have an expanded consciousness. You are experiencing everyone as one. You can embrace them as yourself because not only intellectually you know that we are all part of the same threat of divine love, but you experience that. There is not that boundary of limited um, self. And ananda, which means bliss. And again, bliss is another word that has been corrupted in some Mm. ways, misunderstood. And it's just how languages evolve. You know, people start using certain words, like God is another word, and it's loaded with many different meaning and different emotion and different culture. And the word uh, bliss loss is true meaning here because it's even used on product today. Right. Honestly, most people don't know what is bliss. They think joy is bliss. Joy is a very precious thing, don't get me wrong, but it's not bliss. Bliss is a different experience. When you experience such it and under your true bliss, a nature of no, ex- no, no boundaries, full expansion, like Paramsa Yogananda from the Self-Realization Fellowship, are you? Oh, I go there. Can I tell I go there three times a week to meditate when I'm in Los Angeles. I love oh, the shrine. It's my favorite yeah. place. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Pan Sayugananda had a huge impact in my life when I was mm. younger. When you read the story, when, I, when I'm when i in New York and I take my first yoga class, and um, there was only one copy of the autobiography of a yogi. And when I saw the face of, when I walk in that studio with uh, Mukti, uh, Jiva Mukti, and I, it was the first time I had seen a yoga studio like that. It really had a spiritual quality. And I, I, all the little shrine and the photo of all the ascended master. And, um, and I was like, I, I was already awakening at the time. And I knew I had lived in India already. I mean, I yes. was so at home with the tradition, or the spiritual tradition, or the yogic tradition. When I saw the face of Paramsa Yogananda, it was the last copy, and I heard very clearly, you're ready to read it. And I took it, and I read it like in 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 a couple of days, and I knew, I said, I'm ready for my master to come in my life. One week later, he was there. (laughs) And that's how I got on the spiritual path, you know. And if you are a true seeker and you, and even if you're not, just to go explore and and just for well-being, that's why I used to tell my ex-husband because he would not want to do it for, for growth or spirituality. And that's what I, I discover also. Not only with men, but with women who have had, um, for whatever reason, we don't even need to discuss that. It takes courage to go on the yeah. spiritual path like the way I did it. It does. And to want it to be demolished. I, everything about my being, I didn't want it because it was just accumulation. And that's what caused, um, create personality. Personality is just a bunch of accumulation and brainwashing and conditioning from past. All that we accumulate from all the things we already discussed. But at the true core essence, we're not personality. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't serve us. How can we be happy when we accumulate all that stuff that is not even ours? 
the same thing with ego. Ego really in reality doesn't really exist. Ego is just a term from that came from Freud, you know, that psychologist, and it doesn't exist. It it's not there. There is a sense of I-ness when we grow only for survival, because otherwise we would not have the instinct to move on and and you know to survive. But so all of that doesn't serve us. And personality and ego they they also very very connected in some ways. They're there, but they're not there. Because when you go in to look, where is it? It's like the mind. You look, but it's not there. It's, right. You see what I'm saying? Yes. But yet, they have the impression on your metaphysical uh, level and physical level. The only way to move, in my experience, or the fast, they must, they definitely are different ways, don't get me wrong. You know, life itself, like what happened to my being with Ian having this major heartbreak, was the beginning of a big spiritual awakening. So that was organically, it happened for my being. But it was not enough. If you are in a hurry and you really want to be happy and experience your divine nature, I would say not only embark on the spiritual path, send the intention to have your the right spiritual master for you, where you are right now in your life. Not only in your life, but also on your evolutionary level, because everyone is different. And, and according I wanna, to... Uh, just one last sense. thing. Yes, according yes. to that, you will attract the right spiritual teacher or master for you. And make sure, I would say, if I may make a recommendation, a suggestion... Because that's the point I, I really want to emphasize and I, I tried to mention earlier. In my experience, there are different branches of yoga. It's an ancient uh, tradition that has over seven limbs. And the right concoction of yogic practices is very important because everyone has a different temperament and depending where you are at this time and five years from now it might be very different ten years from now what you need might be different you might need more bhakti yoga but one important thing is kriya yoga kriya from Sanskrit means complete action and it involves working with pranayama with the breath. In the breath, we have life force, energy, prana. And that, when Kundalini starts to awaken, Kundalini and Shakti are synonymous. When that energy, which is at the root of the perineum for each individual in the subtle body, what we call uh, yogi and yogini from the Maharishi, from thousands of years called the Muladhara. That's one of the the most important major chakra because it's the foundation. And that's where Kundalini is dormant. And it's viewed as, as a serpent because it's quail and that's just yeah. an energy. And when that starts opening up, and that's why I stress the Kriya Yoga, because Kriya Yoga, it's, um, it works on, on awakening Kundalini. It works on um, purifying and getting rid of those samskara we were talking about earlier. Yes. And Kriya Yoga, again, you could have a combination of many different things, uh, you know, because I, I myself, still in my life, being a yogini, you know, there is the right concoction where I am right now today, but I still do Kriya Yoga, because they're very powerful, you they know, when, powerful. and I you did a lot of, in, yes, I did a lot of intense sadhana for God, for almost what I've been on the spiritual path for, uh, 
I lost track of the years. I think it's 19 years now or something like that, 18 years. And when Sadhguru came in my life seven years ago, I was so I am, you know, I've had, I've been very blessed. Each master came at the right times in my life. Each one of them were equally important because they did what exactly what I was ready for. And with my own self-effort and devotion, openness and receptivity, I was able to fully awaken. And Sadhguru, um, you know, was was a huge part in the last period of my life. Yes. But I was so open and willing. You have to be willing for huge transformation. And most people are not because, like I was saying a little earlier, comes if you don't have up, the courage so. and you don't have the longing, yes. people are afraid to of the unknown, num- number one. And, and they put a huge amount of resistance because it's very frightening for people to lose all their system belief, you know, because they, feel, they start feeling insecure. And that's why most people, when it comes to really about deep, deep, genuine transformation, they run away from it. Because if they feel the pain coming up and then mourning start coming up and grieving, then people will, no, I'm not saying everyone, that's not true, but it will be human tendency of wanting to run. DV, the things you're saying are so important and we have two minutes left. And one of the things I wanted to share, I know one of the things I wanted to share with our listeners is where you speak in your book about the divine tribe within and just the beautiful connotation that that gave me. And I'm not sure what you want to leave us with, but I did want to just say how much I appreciated that notion of the divine tribe within and, and just the meaning that it brought for me. Did you say tribe? Divine, the divine tribe within, where you speak about that. I just thought it was such a beautiful uh, notion and and belief to hold of our divine tribe within us. I don't remember saying divine tribe. The word tribe, T-R-I-B-E? Yes. Okay. That I, I got that from from your work be it a YouTube video or your book, The Divine Tribe Within, and just drawing upon in our spirituality, just being connected to source and having oh, like... Oh, okay. I think I know what you mean, I, I but I don't remember writing a divine sure. tribe per se. I think what I have said, and I, I often refer to that, there is only one tribe, Ultimately, you know, mm-hmm. there is not yes. this one, this one, because we all are one. And and it's self-realization is realizing there is no self. I know it sounds like an oxymoron, yes. but, it's, but it's so true. Because it's just look at that beautiful metaphor of, of we are a unique wave of this divine ocean. And so when you realize each wave is unique, right? It has an entity, it has a form, but a wave cannot exist without being part of this infinite ocean, right? When you realize that, you realize, after all, you are, you are that, you are that infinite divine love. So we are the consciousness, we are uh, that, that source. So ultimately, there is not so many tribes there is only one tribe this is it's 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 divinity I so like we that. all have within ourselves divinity and that's why i want to say to all our listener take the time to listen your inner voice and life is too short and i hopefully maybe or if not uh listener can read about my uh my near-death experience, you know, the the, the brush yes. I had with with dying so many times, like uh, the praying clash uh, with Alice Caroline that I was uh, indirectly involved. That was a huge uh, other uh, 
new awareness that brought a new awareness and uh and my whole story with breast cancer which yes. is uh there's so well, there's so much richness and depth in your book and in your life story that you so bravely and transparently share. So how well, can listeners learn more? Because we are at the very end, and I yeah. want to be sure that you share with all of our listeners how they can reach out and get your book, I, learn more. Definitely. I welcome everyone on my website, and you already mentioned it, at viviannantal.com. I am on YouTube also. I, we start doing some videos. I love your I, videos. Yes. Thank you so much. You're and welcome. they're short. And if you're interested in Divine Sacred Love Relationship, I suggest you sign up for my newsletter. You could download uh, for free the uh, exclusive video. You might find it very insightful because that's another subject we didn't talk that much, the difference between domesticated relationship versus a Divine Sacred Love Relationship. And um, also you could find my book on Barnes & Noble. And I love the store. I still love going to the bookstore. And Amazon.com is also great. And it's available almost everywhere around the world. And um, I would say just go deep. Enjoy the journey because you will... Find, you'll find it very inspiring, uplifting, and empowering. And again, like I said, it might be different for each one of you. But uh, And I just want to leave you to say, you know, go explore and look, discover within yourself, and especially experience and realize your true divinity within. You're very beautiful, and it's right there waiting for you to tap into your full potential. Vivian, thank you so much for being my guest. It's such an honor and pleasure. Oh, it's mine. I'm so happy. Thank you so much, Lisa. Many blessings to you. Satnam. Many blessings. And yes. last something, if you want a signed copy and a dedication, I have a few left still, so you can email me personally. Beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Many blessings. Satnam. Yeah. Bye-bye. That concludes my show today with Vivian Nantel, which is her website, viviannantel.com, and her beautiful spiritual memoir titled Becoming the Light. Realize your true enlightened nature. Thank you for being with us this week, and please listen in next week as I bring you another episode of All Things Therapy. Bye-bye. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Talk Radio. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 